it was an awesome place, met some incredible people, but I kind of just got burned out on consulting work. And I really wanted to work on a product that I was kind of sticking with rather than bouncing from product to product and team to team, that kind of thing. So I left there and went to a company called Real HQ that was really small company building a product to help people finding real estate agents. And that was where Rails Autoscale was born. This would have been 2016. We were moving everything from Engine Yard to Heroku in order just to simplify our stack and save some money and that kind of thing, which was great. But basically we were running a, a whole bunch of dynos, a whole bunch of Heroku resources at all hours of the day that we didn't need to be running since our primary app was only used during business hours. So we tried some of the autoscalers out there and yeah, just we didn't really have success with any of them. And that was sort of motivation for me to build a better one. So let's maybe dig into Rails Autoscale. So let's assume that Andrew and I don't know what Rails Autoscale is. Maybe might give us an overview of the problem it solves and just the product as a whole. So on Heroku, they call their containers or servers, whatever they call them, dynos. And you can run as many dynos as you need. You can run lots of web dynos to process lots of web traffic. You can run lots of worker dynos to process lots of background jobs. And you can manually dial those up or down. You can scale up and down your dynos at will. But most people don't want to sit around dialing dynos up and down all day based on their current load at that moment. And most applications, their load fluctuates all day long, all week long. So yeah, so what Rails Autoscale does is basically just monitors your app. On the website, it's looking at request queue time for how long requests are queuing up and waiting to be processed. And on the worker side, looking at job queue time. And it's just adding and removing dynos all day long. So a way to save money and make sure that you can handle any slowdowns and that kind of thing. So this is a weird question. So I've done the manual scale up, scale down. When I was at CodeFund, I think... Rails Autoscale was just becoming a thing or I we had just found out about it while we were on this journey, but it was like several days, like we would sit in front of the Heroku graph and we'd be scaling PG Bouncer or our Redis threads or our sidekick workers like up and down, trying to like just get it right there so that our memory would not peak. Puma was happy and it was mind numbing, but it, it was interesting work. So what you often run into with Roku, which I just ran into, is like, okay, well, the problem isn't necessarily that the requests are queuing up. It's that we don't have enough memory. Will Rails Autoscale be able to like handle that? Because there's some dynos that you have to scale up even higher to like get a certain memory hit. The short answer is no, Rails Autoscale can't help you at all there. This is the big limitation of Heroku, right? They've got mainly four different dyno types with different memory and CPU characteristics with pretty vast jumps between them. And so in particular, the jump where everybody gets stuck is the standard 2X dyno and the performance medium dyno. It's $50 versus $250. And a lot of Rails apps, if they're consuming a lot of memory, it's pretty limiting on the 2X dyno. You want to be able to run multiple Puma processes so you get some concurrency in there. But with every Puma process you add, that adds more memory. So it's really easy to blow out the one gig of memory on a standard 2X dyno. But a lot of apps don't want to make that jump to the performance dynos just because they're expensive. And if you can avoid that, that's great. There's not a great solution for that. The solution for that is, is really 
if you can make it work on a 2x dyno running two or three puma processes that's great but if you can if you're just using too much memory you, you kind of have to go to the performance dyno yeah. I mean, my company's switching some stuff over to Heroku right now just to get rid of some infrastructure and stuff like that. And it was like, it was happening all over again. I'm looking at the performance graph and I'm like, the memory's going up. The memory's going up. I need more dinos in here. And I'm like calling someone, like, I need more dinos on this app. And they're like, what? Like how we just turned this app on. And I'm like, I don't care. So yeah, it's hard. And the jumps are incredible. I mean, and that was a big thing for us when I was at CodeFund is we didn't have a lot of money. And so we were constantly trying to like tweak the performance, you know, lowering page consumption and like just trying to do whatever we could. But when those performance spikes happen though, that's where Rails Autoscale can come in. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of folks will try to add more dynos hoping that's going to solve memory problems, but typically it doesn't. If you've got memory problems on one dyno, you're going to have memory problems on five dynos because you're still, you know, each dyno is running the same number of rails processes and those are going to consume the, the same amount of memory over time. So yeah, it's a tough problem. I do think most rails apps that I have seen can at least run two Puma processes on a two X dyno. And that's, that's really, if you can't run two, then you almost can't use that. You've got to be running more than one Puma process per dyno. Otherwise, it's just too easy to have a, a bottleneck where requests come in and you've got your one Puma process that's busy processing this long request and things start queuing up behind it. So you've got to have some concurrency within an individual dyno. And that's why running like multiple Puma processes is really important. How many times do people like call you for support or email in for support and they're like Puma workers are at one and the sidekick workers at zero or something like that? It's like outside of what your product really handles, but it's more like a Heroku thing. I'd say a lot of the support that I do is educating folks on that kind of thing. But honestly, it's still not much. Right now, we have well over 500 customers and we get maybe five emails a week on a busy support week. So yeah, the support load is not that heavy. So I'm actually super happy to take those support requests and kind of work through those problems. Even if it's not like a Rails autoscale issue, even if the product can't help them, figuring out where people get stuck, it'll either give me ideas on how I can improve the product in some way, or if the product can't help them, can I put something out there on the blog or as a screencast or whatever that can help? You had mentioned when you first started working on it that you had tried other autoscalers. And I know Roku even has an autoscaler. Do you mind explaining maybe some of the reasons why it didn't work for you and how Rails Autoscale is different specifically compared to those? Yeah, so Heroku's Autoscaler, a few limitations of it. One is it's only available if you're using their performance dynos. So we were just talking about the performance medium and performance large, which are their most expensive dynos. If you're using them, then you can use Heroku's Autoscaling and it's free. The other big limitations are the way... It determines whether your app needs to scale up or not. The metric that it uses is the total response time, basically from the moment Heroku gets a request until the moment the response is, is sent back, which can work, but it can be really unreliable for apps that have some endpoints that are noticeably slower than others. It might look like the app's having a slowdown, but it's really just some endpoints that are always slow by the nature of what they're doing. And really, most apps are like that. So yeah, the difference there is Rails Autoscale is measuring request queue time. So no matter how long the request takes on the Rails side, it's only measuring how long the request 
is sitting waiting to be picked up by rails. It's just a, a better metric of how your capacity is at a, a given moment. And then the other big thing is Heroku's autoscaler only works on web dynos, so you can't autoscale your background workers at all. So yeah, those are the big things. Those are kind of my main motivations for building Rails autoscale. Uh, and yeah, like the worker autoscaling was huge. That was definitely a game changer when we launched that. Yeah, because I could see that being like, more than my like web, I feel like the workers are the ones that have things that I would want to scale up and down based on size. Like I do a lot of syncing or an elastic search indexing and things like that. And those aren't things you want to run in the browser. You want to run, you want to run them in the background. But if all of a sudden some record changed and that causes, you know, a couple thousand elastic search indices to kick off, those are things I want to push to a job and thus scale up accordingly. Less so than on the web, I feel like. Because if you have architected it a certain way, I would not think that you would have to have your web workers continually scaling up and down unless you're like a very platform or a very traffic dependent site where like at specific times you get pegged for certain reasons. Yeah, when did exactly. uh, the worker auto scaling come out? Probably 2018, maybe 2019. I can't remember exactly. But yeah, it's been, gotcha. it's been out there for a while. It started out with just Sidekick and then just through people asking for it, added delayed job and rescue and queue support as well. If you're listening to this podcast, then who's making sure that your application is running correctly? Is the app up? Are bugs plaguing your users? Do your cron jobs execute correctly? I don't have to worry about this because I have a secret weapon, Honey Badger. Honey Badger works with my unique workflow, is easy to set up on all my projects, and gives me peace of mind throughout the day. The best part is that Honey Badger has all the tools I need in an easy-to-understand UI with excellent documentation. I want to build features, not waste time trying to configure my tools, and Honey Badger provides that for me out of the box. Sign up for Honey Badger today and let them know we sent you. Thanks to Honey Badger for their continued support of the show. I made a kind of a joke at the beginning about how like we use autoscale and sometimes we get in trouble and workers are actually like the specific thing that comes to mind because autoscale has actually sometimes been a signal that there's something wrong like in background jobs because we're like, why is it scaling up so much? And we'll go and look and like, oh, like we've done something wrong. So it is really good for us because not only does it help scale traffic, but it also a couple of times has alerted us to like, oh, wait, something's wrong and we didn't have the proper like mechanism in there to catch it. It's fascinating. It's not a good use of your product, but it is something that has worked for us in a terrible way. Yeah, I suppose as long as you were able to find and fix the underlying issue, then I'm I'm, I'm glad it helped, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And going back to what you're talking about support, we were sitting at RubyConf and Andrea asked you a question we were having about Heroku and you sat there for 45 minutes trying to help us debug an issue that had nothing to do with autoscale. I'm really appreciative of that because it was... Lots of people with Rails knowledge. I feel like a lot of people with like really specific Heroku knowledge, that's harder to find. So very appreciative of that. Cool. Yeah, I was happy to help. Well, I should say I was happy to try to help. I don't think I ended up being <laughs> all that helpful because I know we ended up talking about WebSockets. And honestly, <laughs> like I, when it comes to WebSockets on Heroku, I'm still not of that much help. Neither am I. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of RubyConf, how was your RubyConf? Are you like an OG RubyConf person? You like go to all of them? No, this is probably like maybe my fourth or something like that. But yeah, it was great. I mean, honestly, like most people there, it was just so awesome to get out and see other humans for the first time in a year and a half. (laughs) But yeah, I got to meet a lot of new people. I met you and Jason there for the first time. 
and several other folks. And that's really, I mean, more than anything, that's what I get excited about is getting out and getting, say hi to old friends and meet some new ones. Nice. So when should someone start looking at your product? If you like first get on Roku and you're like, oh my God, my app has scaling problems. I feel like your first look should be inward. What's happening here? But if it's like a new app and you've just deployed it and you're like, oh my God, all of a sudden we've got scaling problems. Maybe check yourself. But if it's like an app you put on there, what's the right time that you're like, okay, I think this is when auto scale is right for you. I would say the moment you reach for that dyno slider to move from one dyno to any other number is the moment you maybe want to think, could a computer do this instead of me? It's just one of those things where it, it kind of becomes guesswork. Okay. I know one dyno isn't cutting it. How many dynos do we need? And do we need them all the time or just some of the time? So I would say as soon as you reach for that is a good time to think about auto scaling either through rails, auto scale or, or whatever else. But yeah, I would advise not trying to do that manually. So what if I have my Laravel app? What can I do with that? Right now, you can't do anything with Rails Autoscale, but thanks for teeing this up for me. I'm currently working on a new autoscaler that's going to be language agnostic on Heroku. So yeah, perhaps even by the time this podcast is released, you can look for Judo Scale in the Heroku marketplace. And that's going to be yeah, an autoscaler on Heroku, basically taking Rails auto scale to languages and frameworks beyond just Ruby. So that kind of reminds me of what Mike Parham did, kind of a sidekick, right? He has sidekick, then he's got factory that's more language agnostic. What kind of prompted you to like, okay, I can do this for other languages. And have there been any other ones that you're like, you guys are on your own. I can't figure this out. I don't know, with your Go apps or your Rust apps or whatever it is. Is there anything like that either? No, there's not really any language or anything that can't be auto-scaled. And also, yeah, Mike is a huge inspiration just in terms of what he's built with Sidekick and, and the business that he's built around it as well. But yeah, I had several customers reaching out to me because they didn't just have Ruby apps. They also have some Node apps and they wanted to be able to auto-scale those. And I had some folks who installed Rails auto-scale without realizing that it was Ruby specific because they're not Rails developers. And then I have to tell them, no, I'm sorry, it only works with Rails. So just knowing that those folks are out there needing something, I wanted to be able to have a product for them as well. So what's like the development of that been like? A whole lot slower than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so yeah, like I said before, I, I was part-time on Rails Autoscale until May of this past year. That's when I went full-time on it and made that jump sort of thinking, now that it's got my full-time focus, I'm, I'm going to be moving so much faster. That hasn't really happened. It's been a little frustrating at times, honestly. But yeah, I mean, I've been working on this thing for, I don't know, three or four months now. I thought it would be done and ready to go a month or two ago. So it's been slow, not through any like real, like unexpected roadblocks or anything like that. Yeah. Honestly, just haven't moved as fast as I thought I would, but I'm really happy with how it's coming together. I mean, I, I brought on a designer to help me design it because you know, Rails Autoscale it looks okay, but I designed it myself. It's not beautiful. But yeah, Judo Scale is beautiful. I'm super excited about it. It's coming together really nicely, just taking a lot longer than I hoped it would. If I wasn't using Rails Autoscale today, and then I have the choice as a Rails app between Rails Autoscale and Judo Scale, what do I do? I go with the, the pretty looking one 
Do I stick with the OG? Where do I go? Judo scale is not going to have feature parity with Rails Auto Scale, at least initially. So yeah, long-term, the vision is all of the things that we're building for Judo Scale will be brought to Rails Auto Scale as well. But in the short term, Rails Auto Scale does some things that Judo Scale can't do, specifically around like scheduling, auto scaling, and things like that. Those will eventually find their way into Judo Scale as well. But yeah, a Rails app could use Judo Scale, but I would recommend a Rails Auto Scale for now. Cool. I'm kind of curious what it's like. I don't know the proper term for it. I guess building an app within the Heroku marketplace. What's that experience been like? Surprisingly simple and straightforward. So if you want to bring an app into the Heroku marketplace, first of all, you don't need to host that app on Heroku. You can build it and host it anywhere you want. It just needs to serve HTTP requests like any other app. And Heroku just has a couple different requests that you need to be able to respond to when somebody provisions a new add-on or uninstalls that add-on. As long as you can handle those API requests from Heroku, you can put it in the marketplace. The hardest part about bringing an app into the Heroku marketplace is the phases that you have to go to to bring it to market. So initially, when you build an app, it's going to be called the alpha stage, and which means it's not listed in the marketplace. You can invite people to it privately, and you have to get 15 customers there before they'll even consider putting it in the marketplace. And that's honestly where Judo Scale is right now as we're speaking now. And I've put in the request to have it move to the beta phase, which puts it in the marketplace, but it's got a beta badge on it and you can't charge anything for it yet. So that's sort of what I'm waiting on right now. I've put in that request. So once it's in there, you have to get a hundred customers to move it to general availability when you can actually start charging your customers, which for Rails Autoscale took eight or nine months. (laughs) So it took a while. I think that sort of barrier is, while it was hard going through that with Rails Autoscale, it's also what keeps the quality really high in the Heroku marketplace. You look in the Heroku marketplace and unlike like, I don't know, the Shopify marketplace or something else, like there's not hundreds or thousands of add-ons. It's a relatively small number because I think the barrier is fairly high to get something in there and the quality ends up being really high in there. Did you ever think of making like a bunch of fake accounts? Because <laughs> that's what my mind immediately went to. Well, initially, like when I first started going through this process, I basically installed it on all as many different apps as I could, not realizing that it's the number of customer accounts that matter, not the number of apps that it's installed on. But yeah, definitely probably could create a whole bunch of fake accounts. But since it's not an automated process, like I have to reach out to Heroku and ask to be moved into the marketplace. And I'm sure they would get suspicious if they, I'm sure they probably look at that stuff. And I didn't want to, I don't want to anger anybody on that side of things. (laughs) It's almost like Heroku, like getting into their app store is a product market fit challenge in a way. It's like, you have to prove that people will use this before like they allow it through. That's really fascinating. Yeah, it's like a, it's a product market fit challenge and just making sure you're as the developer, you're serious about this thing and in it for the long haul. You don't you're not just trying to throw something up really quick and see what happens. Yeah, that's really interesting. Thanks for sharing that. We talked a little bit at RubyConf 
I think he's mentioned you're there like a year and a half, but I, I got to talk about YNAB because <laughs> is that a Rails app? Yeah. So YNAB, which if you're hearing that as one word, it's an acronym. Y-N-A-B stands for you need a budget. And that's where I worked immediately before going full-time on Rails Autoscale. It's a budgeting app that I still use and love. It's awesome. And yeah, it's a Rails app. The web thing is all a Rails app, but they've also got you know native iOS and Android app. Yeah, the team there is pretty decent size. Like at the time that I left, there were up to like 25 engineers there. The largest team I had worked on since coming into Rails, actually. That's fascinating because that is, uh, I mean, I know Rails can scale, obviously, but like I use YNAB like religiously. And so when I like was like, wait a second, Rails developer, YNAB, I was like, holy crap. I don't know. It's just anytime something I use in the wild, I realize it's a Rails app, I get excited. What was that experience like? How is the team there? So it's 25 engineers. Was it a Rails API? Was it rendering Rails views? It's a Rails API with an Ember front end. So the Rails API serves obviously the Ember app and the iOS app and the Android app. And yeah, it's a big app. It's the largest app I've worked on in a long time. And it handles a lot of traffic. Obviously, I can't share specifics. But yeah, the first time I popped open the Heroku dashboard and saw how much we were spending on Heroku, my jaw hit the floor. Like, I didn't (laughs) know people spent that much on Heroku. But it is a testament to like just like how far you can go on Heroku. But yeah, YNAB was, was awesome. I mean, I went there not knowing anybody who worked there, but just sort of knowing the reputation and, and image they have on the outside of just being like super friendly and personable, like over the top friendly and personable. And being there, they absolutely lived up to every expectation I had going in there. They're just an awesome group of people. And I really loved working there. That rules. Did they use... Rails auto scale. No. So the whole time I was there, I never even suggested it because at that scale, most of their Heroku spend was at the database and which obviously rails auto scale doesn't, doesn't help you at all there. And yeah, so they were just running multiple performance, large dynos and they never touched it. So I could suggest using rails auto scale and saving maybe 500 or a thousand dollars a month on dyno costs. But honestly, that's just not that relevant at that scale. Right. <laughs> right. You've been in the Ruby community for a long time. What exciting things are you excited by? I guess it's not Ruby specific, but on the Rails side, I am really excited about the stuff that's going on with JavaScript and CSS in Rails 7. So yeah, Rails Autoscale is currently a Rails 6 app, but I did at least pull my tailwind stuff out of webpack and i've got it running the css bundling gem and loving that and i can't wait to tear webpack out of this app and either roll with import maps or js bundling like i'm just i'm super excited to not have webpack and webpacker be a part of the default rails install anymore i'm not a fan of webpacker no And it's just like, I'm sure, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's fine. It's just one of those things that I was never able to wrap my head around. And just every time I ran into something, it was just hours down the tube of trying to figure out what in the world was going on. I mean, I understand it completely, but still trying to fix it, like understanding what's happening and understanding how to fix it are just so completely different. Well, Adam, we are super appreciative for you taking time to join us, talk about auto scaling Heroku, all the silly questions we wanted to ask maybe want to share where some people can find you online. 
Yeah. So I'm Adam logic on Twitter. Rails auto scale is rails auto scale.com. And that's, that's pretty much it. So yeah, thanks a lot for having me on you guys and happy new year to you both. Yeah. Happy new year. I guess for the listeners for context, this is new year's Eve. <laughs> and we're recording this. So we're, gonna oh, date we're this all wasted. Yeah. Yeah. We're all wasted. <laughs> well, see you on the other side. <laughs> yeah. Thanks Adam. Thank you guys. <laughs>